As some of you will recall, as I was writing my last book, Nonfiction Brand, I went live every single night for 301 days in order to write the book. Well, I'm happy to say that book is written, it's out and available at the House of Bezos. All you have to do is look up Nonfiction Brand and you'll see this lovely face. Hopefully, you might have to plug in the word Knuton too, because sometimes their search function's not quite up to snuff, if you know what I mean. But anyway, this is not about me. This is about my guest, a very special guest, because we're doing a live podcast recording with a gentleman I want to introduce to you right now. His name is Josh Zepes, or Josh Zepes, or some variant thereof, because we haven't really determined what the official pronunciation is as yet. Right, Josh? Absolutely. You had me a gentleman, though. I was looking around like, who are you talking to? Is it me? Am I still well, the guest? Tonight? You certainly but I appreciate are. it. You certainly are. And of course, we're recording the podcast, but also meeting each other for the first time. Because like a lot of people, I know you're in the same space that I am when it comes to building a brand that is based on completely true, completely you, who you are, what you do and how you do it. And in order to do that, people like you and me are seeking out ways to multiply the amount of time, energy, bandwidth and dollars we have available. Because let's face it, you can't be everywhere all the time. And so one of the things I'm doing is the same thing you're doing, which is hooking up with a website called podmatch.com. Now, I'm not getting paid by Podmatch. I, I, I don't believe you're an endorser or anything like that. I'm not, but maybe we should. We ought to like contact them and let's, let's set up something well, now that they, you brought it up. They do have an <laughs> affiliate program, which right. maybe I should put that in the show notes because I think I have an affiliate code. Anyway, podmatch.com is a really cool place where podcasters such as myself can meet guests like Josh and make the connection and, you know, schedule what comes next. So I saw that Josh was very much like me. I, I looked at your listing in Podmatch. I went to your website and I'm like, oh my God, I'm almost looking in the mirror because... Sorry about that. Sorry, I'm not better looking then. Jeez. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I was going to say I was looking in the mirror, except uh, I had hair in my mirror, but I, I don't like to pick on bald guys too much. You know, you know what happened, though? All that, all that happened, my hair stayed the same height and I just outgrew it. I just yeah. too tall for my hair. Exactly. So. It went south. There's a comedian who has a great joke about that. It's like hair is like old people. They go south to where it's more humid as they to, get older. Towards the equator. Yeah, towards exactly. The equator. My hair is... Is, 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 has left my poles and it's actually all concentrated around my equator. Yeah. We're not going to follow that storyline any further because this is a safe for work podcast and conversation. I would say PG-13, what, what, what kind of zone are we in? Is this like, uh, uh, I know it's not obviously X, but. Oh, I'll put it this way. It's, it's not <laughs> PG, it's not PG Gary V, which is F-bombs every other word. But I don't mind the occasional, well, put it this way. In my life, Profanity is like cilantro. I enjoy yes. cilantro here and there, but too much of it, and it's like, oh, come on, dude, that's too much. So this is to say, Josh, welcome to the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. And tell Honored me, give the listeners 30 seconds on your background so that they know exactly where you're coming from, because it's different from where I'm coming from. I believe you started out in the big, bad world of American business. Yeah, actually, I started off as a soldier. I grew up as, I was the good soldier. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I did everything I was told to do. I went to school. I got grades. 
I'm not going to say good grades, but I got grades, uh, multiple degrees, got into corporate America, climbed the ladder 20 years as a very shy, negative, skeptical, introverted engineer. And then one day I was like, everything I thought was right wasn't so right. I wasn't as happy as I wanted to be. I wasn't as wealthy as I needed to be. And I wasn't free. And let me tell you something. That's my favorite F word now. Back then, it was a different favorite F word. And because we were keeping this kind of, I'm not going to say it. Y'all can guess it. But I had, to, I had to get out. I had to escape. And I did. And that's when I became an entrepreneur and all kinds of different businesses. And then one day, I'm like, holy crap, I'm making money, but time out. What am I really good at? What is my genius? What is my expertise? And can I take all these things and can I bring value to the world in a monetizable way? And that's what I do now. That's where Identity Archaeologist was born. And here I am uh, helping people craft that message. Oh, man. Anybody who's been a listener of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast for any period of time is going to recognize a bunch of trigger words in what Josh just said. I'm an introvert. I followed the rules. I worked nine to five. I, I did everything I was told. I did it all right. And it took you a couple decades to figure out what took me three decades, which was, this is BS. This is not, yeah. I'm not fully present in my own life. And yeah. one of the things that you really hit on hard was the introversion part. You kept your mouth yes. shut. You're an engineer, head down, dealing with data, not people. And how'd that go for you? It sounds like that was not quite as fulfilling in terms of a life yeah. and lifestyle as what you actually wanted. Actually, I enjoyed it because I enjoy a challenge. You know, it's funny because what I had to do to really settle into the role of being an engineer is I had to suppress my genius. I had to ignore it. All the stuff I was really good at, I had to kind of pretend it didn't matter. And I had to play this role. And I played it well. Let me tell you, I, at the end of my career, I was multi, multi six figure. I was a manager, stock options, parking space. I mean, like if anyone else looked at me, they would have said, holy crap, man, Josh is a success. He's doing awesome. Man, I want to be like Josh. I was the success story for my company. I received 10 promotions in the course of 20 years. I was that person that started at the very bottom of the ladder in this company. And I worked my way up to, you know, middle upper management. Everything was great. But you know what happens? It's kind of the best way to describe it. I just watched it again the other day, The Matrix. You know, you start seeing the glitches in The Matrix and the code and you can't unsee it. You can't ignore it anymore. You can't pretend that it's all going to work out, that everything's just going to be okay. And you have to do something about it. Otherwise, you can't sleep at night. That's what happened to me. I got a wake-up call. I got a few wake-up calls, but I got a big one. And I was like, that's it. I've got to get out. I've got to find a different way. I, it's almost like you know too much, right? When you know too much, you just can't sit still. You can't sit in the corporate cubicle, in the cubicle farm, and expect that life is going to work out the way you were told. So I really had no choice. Oh my God, does that sound familiar? It does to me because uh, that line, that I actually wrote it down because it was like, it hit me in the face like a two by four. I had to suppress my genius. Mm -hmm. How many people are living a life where they're suppressing not only their genius, but their humanity, their sensibility, the, yeah. their kindness even. I mean, there are people yes. in jobs where you know you're walking in selling a garbage product and you like the people you're trying to sell it to, and in your heart of heart, you're going, God, I don't want to sell this crap to them. But you do it anyway, because what else am I going to do? Well, I think you hinted on some of that, which was mm -hmm. you did a little bit of digging. And it's interesting that you, your kind of professional nom de, de guerre is 
the identity archaeologist. Hmm, that implies to me that you do a fair amount of digging. Can you give us an example of, of what you mean by being the identity archaeologist, specifically when it comes to you and how you discovered the incredible ruins that are now flourishing under the name Josh Zepes or Zepes? Either one is fine. By the way, I don't know how it's properly pronounced. That's just how I say it. I say Zeppis. But so, yeah, everyone always asks me the same question. Like, what does the identity archaeologist mean? Well, first and foremost, to be honest, it's going to sound weird. It means I have no competition. Now, you might. That's kind of cool in business, right? To not have any competition. But also, I didn't just come up with this name because it sounded cool. It actually is how I take my genius and I apply it to a commodity called personal branding. So my process is I dig, I dig deep into a person. I dig through all that crap conditioning, all that BS. I'm going to be nice here. All that BS we were told about, oh, honey, there's no money in that. Or, hey, just obey, just follow the rules and it'll all work out. Keep your head down. Don't stick it up. Otherwise, it's going to get chopped off. All that crap I have to dig through and we find your treasure. And when I find that treasure, we bring it to the surface, right? We dust off all that caked on, baked on crap that you were told that doesn't, it's not true. doesn't serve you. And then we polish it and we refine it until your treasure shines so freaking bright. People come from thousands of miles to come see it. And that treasure, by the way, is, is your identity. It's your purpose, your mission, your values, your stand. It's everything that makes you unique in business. In fact, it's the only thing I'm going to say something very, uh, <laughs> uh, brave here. And I can, I could back it up if you want. The only unique thing about your business is you. Everything else is commoditized. Do you see why I wanted to talk to Josh? Everything you just said is what this podcast is all about and what I've been saying for years because yep. I, like you, did everything for other people following their ladder or pathway or journey or whatever you want. And I decided that did not serve me well. And in my case, and we've talked about it on this podcast a number of times. I got hit in the head with a baseball bat called redundancy a couple of times mm -hmm. during Ooh, what I, I like to call your X years. The ones where you're experienced, you're an expert, you're expensive, and therefore expendable. Because if you Ooh, don't I own like it, that. it's not yours. Yeah, well, that's you, real good. I'm, I know we belong to the same religion here because everything you're saying, yeah. I'm going, testify, brother. And I, I, I sense that we share a lot of the same uh, thing. And especially the, the part where you're talking about the archaeology. Funny, the active metaphor I use when describing that process is mining, where it's all about mining, refining, and defining, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I talk about gathering the grains of gold, smelting it into a, yeah. a, a beautiful piece of gold, and then acting as a jeweler to turn it into a piece of presentation jewelry you wear every single day with pride because it is completely true and completely yours. And exactly what you said, which is there is only one thing that you have that nobody else does, and that is your voice. I think we both would apply that to the word brand because brand means a whole lot more. In fact, I wanna ask you, from your point of view, what constitutes a brand, specifically a personal brand? Great question. So if you don't mind, can I go into what's not a brand first? Because oh, yeah. This is important. Yeah, absolutely. Here's, here's what's not a brand. Because I'm going to bust some myths out there. There's people out there that are getting lied to from marketers and even branding experts. 
Here's what's not a brand. Your name, your logo, your website, your 500 business cards, which what the hell is this, 1982? Who the hell has business cards? Your personality, your good looks, thank goodness for me, your title, all those things are really by themselves, not a brand. Here's what a brand really is. Your personal brand is the gut feeling, not the, not the, the analytical feeling like, oh, I think this is a good person. I think they can do a good job for me. It's that gut feeling someone gets the moment you walk into a room, the moment they see your business. It's what you say. It's a lot of what you say, but it's mostly what you don't say. In fact, it's really the energy that's behind your clarity, your confidence, and your conviction, the three C's. There's actually like five C's, but we'll go with those three. That's really what your brand is. And by the way, that's the first sale that's got to be made. If somebody doesn't buy you first, they're not going to touch your product or service. That's the funny part. Not even funny. That's the sad part. No, amen, brother. That is exactly right. I mean, I I can't disagree with anything you've said because... Again, I start out all my presentations with, let's let's get on the same page about brand. It's not your logo. Yeah. It's not your color palette. Yeah. It's not your fonts. It's not your tagline. No, exactly. It's not the campaign no. you did. And when I'm no. talking to small businesses, I'll say, it's everything from the way you answer your phones to your CEO's public behavior. And I give some examples of that. But you're absolutely right, especially the point, which is, and I think the great Bill Berg came up with the formulation that everybody comes out with, which is people need to know, like, and trust you. And that Mm -hmm. is core. If you can say the reason people know, like, and trust me is you now have the foundation for your personal brand. So if I were to force you right now, Josh, to say, Josh, why do people know, like, and trust you? What would you say? That's a that's a good one, actually. One one quick point, though, on that before I, I don't want to forget this. No, like and trust. There's one caveat to that. It's got to be in that order. They don't teach you this part in school. They just say, oh, no, like and trust. But what happens is when I go networking and I meet people, they're all on the trust side. They, they forget about the no and they forget about the like. They just go right to talking about their products and how great their service is and how great, you know, all the, the alphabet soup behind their name. So make sure it's in that order. That is absolutely key. So why do people know, like, and trust me? Honestly, you really got to ask them. But here's what I'll say. Everything I share, everything on social media, everything I do for my clients, everything is just me. It's authentic. There's no facade here anymore. I've suppressed my ego a long time ago. I'm not perfect about it, of course. I'm human. But I no longer wear, I no longer have two lives. Most people have two lives. They have a professional life and they have a personal life and they're different. And I don't think they should be. In fact, people say, Josh, are you trying to blur the lines between personal and business? I'm like, no, I'm trying to freaking annihilate those lines. We need to get rid of them completely. If look, if you're two different people, personal versus business, which one is the lie? Because one of them is lying. Who are you lying to? You're lying to your family or you're lying to your clients. I don't even care which one. It's wrong. We don't need to be. Too, in fact, and I'll even say this. So are you just being this like this heartfelt, wonderful person? You just want everyone to bring their humanity back to their business because it just sounds good. It makes everyone feel good. Yes. And it's more profitable. Being honest has two very, very big benefits. It's easier when you're honest. You don't have to think about what the lie is going to be. You don't have to think about your ego, the facade, you know, the perfect script, all that crap. It's also more profitable. 
So that's how I would answer that. But you really got to talk to people who know me and find out what they like in particular. But I'm just me. That's it. Wow. I want to make one correction here. The name of the gentleman who is the inventor of the recipe of no like and trust is Bob Berg of his Go Giver podcast and also the Go Giver, uh, which is a fantastic book. And but he really nailed it, which is it's not about what can I do to get you in this car today? (laughs) it's who are you how can i serve you best and how can i do it in a way that is genuine to me because i'm sure you see this all the time that there are a lot of personal brands out there that have Mm -hmm. millions of followers and they're constantly pumping out beauty shots of them and if you're male it's leaning up against a maserati that has fat stacks of cash on it if you're female you're undoubtedly in a diaphanous some type of wrap in the sunset in Belize on a beach and you go, these are not Not personal brands. They are fictions. They are as fictional as the anime characters or the animated characters in any film. They are telling a story. They have a narrative, but they don't have a personal brand because they haven't done the archeology span work or the mining work to actually discover that which makes them truly unique. Correct. So your background is as an engineer, right? So Mm -hmm. you probably have advanced certifications and stuff that are a whole lot higher level, intellectual level than anything I can generate. But uh, I'm guessing you approach things not from where I come, which is the, uh, call it the the amorphous liberal arts side. You've got one of those key STEM things in your background, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. I'm guessing you uh, approach things a little bit differently and perhaps with a little bit more rigor than someone like myself. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I'm an excavator. I have the tools. I'm a very precise excavator. And what a lot of folks don't realize, and it kind of throws them off when I say this, but we all have the right answers for anything. We have the right answers. What we don't do is we don't ask the right questions. So if you don't ask the right question, you're never going to get the right answer. It doesn't matter. So what it helps is to have someone go and dig and ask those right questions and bring the stuff to the surface. And I'm relentless. I will find your gold. I will find that treasure. I will find those diamonds. Whatever we need to find, we're going to pull it out. And a lot of times my clients are surprised. They're surprised at what comes out. They're like, holy shit. Oh, excuse me. Crap, no, you're fine. I, I, I've always you're wanted, fine. <laughs> I always wanted to say this. You know one of my favorite questions? What do you really want to tell the world? Unfiltered, I don't care if you need to use profanity or not, that's, that's besides the point. What do you really want to say without filtering, without sugarcoating it? Let's start there because that's often the truth. You know, this is what the people want to say. They want to say something and they hold themselves back. And by doing that, they actually usurp their own power. They take away their own, they become impotent to what other people are going to think about me. You know, it's funny, I hear this all, what are the people going to think about me, Josh, if I say that? I'm like, look, you'd be lucky if someone ever thinks about you again. What do you mean? What are The number one killer in business, Grant Cardone says this, the number one killer in business is obscurity. And I had the number two killer in business is being forgotten. Look, you want people to think about you. Don't, don't worry about that. That's actually a good thing. If you're being honest, if you're coming to a place of good intentions, you're not just trying to be a jerk for the sake of being a jerk, but you really have good intentions. Say what you really mean. And it will, and it will change your conversations forever. Oh man. 
you know, you're you're quoting Grant Cardone. I'm going to quote the great playwright <laughs> George Bernard Shaw in one of his plays. He says, "The opposite of love is not hate, my dear friend. No, it's indifference." <laughs> and his point is that if people hate you, that means you've got enough meat about you that there's something to hate, which also yeah. means that there are people who love you. Yes. It's the ones who are indifferent. And, you know, I've got three daughters who are now all in college, but watching them grow up, they were always concerned about what their friends thought about them. And I would have to remind them and say, do you know how much time your friends spent thinking about you today? Not at all. Zero. Zero. You Zero. were concerned about what they were thinking. They were not <laughs> thinking about you at all. And that's true of every single business out there. Why should yep. they be thinking about you? They aren't thinking about you. They're thinking about things you might be able to offer them. It's the old uh, marketing saying that people don't need a drill. They need holes. People right. go out to buy holes. So if you're selling drills and people are buying holes, you're not even talking their language, much less. Yep. They, aren't, they aren't thinking, I need a drill. They're thinking, I need someone who can help me make a hole in my wall that will support this precious family heirloom, and I don't want to screw it up, so I need someone I trust to guide me to the right solution, and bingo. No like, and trust. If you can become that yeah. person, you are now valuable to them. I love You just hit on the number one thing of sales. You hit on the number one mistake I see salespeople make. They ooh, sell ooh, wait a minute, let me set you up. Josh, I understand that there is a number one sales person mistake that they make all the time. What is that number one sales mistake? Funny you should ask. The number one sales mistake that salespeople make is they actually try to sell their product. Mm. Number one mistake. Never, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, ever. How many evers can I put in there? Sell your product. Never, ever sell your product. Nobody wants your product. Nobody wants life insurance. Nobody wants the drill. Nobody wants any of this crap. Sell the problem, offer the solution sell the problem. Look, I got my water bottle here. If I came to you and I said, Hey, look at this water bottle. Isn't this great? It's got, you know, triple ozonated filtered water. And it's like tears of God fell into the bottle and it's off the, off the top of the Andes. It's so pure. Isn't it awesome? Don't you want my water? Isn't my water great? And the, what you're thinking in your head is I'm not thirsty. If you're not thirsty, it doesn't matter how good my water is now. Does it now, if you and I, we talk and I'm like, Hey, did you know, I just did a test on you. Did you know that dehydration is killing your family? It's killing your job performance. It's actually going to put you in the grave 10 years sooner. You'd buy any water I have from, I could, I could scoop water out of the toilet. You would buy it for a premium. You see, sell the problem. We got to agree on the problem first. Once that happens, the solution's obvious. If you have the solution for someone, if you have the solution to their need, once you agree on the need, it's a done deal there's nothing else to sell. You just have to offer the right thing to them and do the right thing for them. I was consulting with a firm that uh, makes equipment for humidification and dehumidification, you know, and they were At talking the same about, time, were they like in battle? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let's talk about that because it depends on your situation, right? Mm -hmm. So they were making fun of this one sales guy who's, who's like the been there forever and they made fun by introducing him as the guy who sold a truckload of humidifiers in Atlanta, Georgia, and everybody laughs. And I went, that's not funny. That's actually pretty smart. Mm -hmm. This guy did the 
South Georgia or the Central Georgia equivalent of selling ice to Eskimos. He went to yeah. the most humid part of the country and sold humidifiers. Why? How? That's the question I want to find out. Why? How did you do that? I tend to think it's because he was doing exactly what you said. He wasn't yeah. selling the product. Mm -hmm. He was listening, finding people who needed a solution that he could solve brilliantly, and then said, hey, your problem is you don't have the right humidity for what you need to do. If you need, like I'm a guitar player, obviously on my walls, you see behind me, humidification, uh -huh. very big thing for guitar players. If I yeah. can, if someone came to me and said, I can guarantee that every room in your house will have 55% humidity, regardless of what's happening outside, I'd start going, leaning in saying, tell me more. Because mm -hmm. guitars at 30% humidity start cracking. At 55, they retain their tone and their, you know, you don't have to tune them as often, you name it. Yeah. That would require someone listening to me and what my needs are. And one of the things that I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before, one of the strengths that I, that I discovered over my career was I would listen to hear what they said they wanted, but I would listen so deeply, I would hear what they needed. Want uh -huh. and need are two different yeah. things. And people will sell you what you want any day of the week. Like, oh, I'll, I'll buy that bottle of water. I'm not thirsty, but I, I want it. Okay, great. But if you come yeah. to me with the need... And you fulfill my need, that's right on that no like, and trust trail. And that's how we create relationships. Because from my point of view, I think you're probably going to violently agree with me. Branding's sole function, well, there are two. One, to differentiate yourself from others who are exactly like you, or so people yeah. think. And right. with the goal of creating a relationship that could last a lifetime of transactions. Correct. I see you nodding Branding your head. Branding is a first impression. Branding is just a first impression. That's And first impressions are so important because if you do a first impression right, it actually leads to the second impression, which is where you get to share your product, the details, and actually develop the relationship further and maybe even get a client. Or maybe it's the third or fourth or fifth. But if you screw up the first impression, you're done. The relationship is over. You, you, you shot a blank in business. And that's where most people do. Most people, they just totally burn their first impression. And it's, it's awful because they really do have good value. They really can help a person. And that person will never give them the time of day now. So I, I agree with you. You're 100% right. Well, and the funny thing is, because I know one of the key pillars of, of your endeavors when it comes to helping people is getting them to understand the power of first impression. I use slightly different language for the same thing. Which yep. <laughs> is, I talk about dating, your first date. Oh, yeah. The goal yep. of a first date is what? To get a second date. And the second date to get a third. And the third, a fourth, to build that relationship. And you don't talk about how you spend 12 hours a day in your parents' basement playing Xbox games on your first date. Because you won't get a second date. But if they find out that you've got a heart of gold and you're really smart and you're fun and you enjoy music... And the only reason you spend 12 hours a day in your parents' basement playing Xbox games is because you don't have someone that could pull you out of that dark morass to help you be a better person. Oh my God, did I just set up this guy for incredible success? 
Yeah, or I GP, did. Worse yet, worse yet, a lot of folks they'll they'll try and get married on the first date. I use the same analogy, by the way, in my webinars. People try and get married on the first date. What are you doing? Don't ask for marriage on the first date. Which, by the way, marriage is a contract. That means you're trying to sell your product on the first date. Oh, I love that. Someone to marry you. I love that. Be, and you're absolutely right. It's TMI. Too yeah. much information. Yeah, I'm yeah. not ready. Yeah. Why are you trying to push this on me? I I, I don't want to marry you right now. I. I just got to know you today. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. If I can leave you thinking, oh, he's kind of funny, and he listened to me, and he made eye contact, and he was concerned, and he asked me questions about myself, listen, oh my gosh, that is the recipe right there. I kind of like him. Now I want to go on a second date because I kind of liked him from the first date. Let me see what a second date, let's go a little deeper on the second date and let's see if it makes sense to maybe, you know, maybe get to first base, maybe not the home run, you know, I'm not that kind of girl, but you know, maybe first base, you know, third date, maybe second base. We'll see where it goes. We did a safe date for the first one. We went to coffee or maybe a quick happy hour drink after (laughs) work and then say in public, of course, right. With, and my, (laughs) and my friends were right over there recording it all on phones the entire time. (laughs) And then, but the second one, maybe the friends won't be there and we'll go out to dinner and maybe we'll go for a walk or who knows, you know, oh my God, we're, we're talking about personal branding as if it's as important as procreation for human beings, because let's face it, if we don't Mm -hmm. date, we don't have progeny and this, our entire species goes away. Is it that important? Why? Yes, it is. And that's why, and I think we share the same opinion, that's why that brand, that personal brand has to be based on who you truly are, not some And let's take this further. Wait, wait, I'm going to help your analogy out because I love this analogy. I use it a lot, but this is a good time. Let's use this analogy to bring up another point, which is sometimes I ask people just for fun. I said, tell me about your personal brand. And about half the time I get someone say, I don't have a brand. And I said, you're wrong. You do have a brand. Everyone has a brand. Now, you may not be in control of it. You may not know what it is. It may freaking stink, right? Maybe, you're, maybe your brand is you haven't showered in three years, business-wise. So now put this in terms of your dating. Some people show up to a date in like shirtless, tattered jeans, and like they haven't showered or shaved in about 18 days. And they wonder why nobody wants to hang out with them on a second date. But this is what people do in their business. They show up and they have no control over their brand. They don't realize they sound arrogant. They, they're not listening to people. They don't ask the right questions. They're just trying to push their crap on others. And it's fascinating to watch people like, oh, yeah, I, I don't think I would date me either. I don't think I would marry me either. So take a look in the mirror. Would you date you? Would you buy from you? Yeah. Another thing, helping people understand the difference between brand and, and what brand really is, There's a word that's close, uh, like a close sibling of brand that people totally associate with brand, but frankly, are distant cousins, not close siblings. And that is reputation. Because reputation Mm. is something other people hold about you over which you have very little control. They control reputation. You control brand. Your brand. Because your brand presents the truth of you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And guess what? Sometimes people see only the ugly and decide, you're not for me. To which I say, 
good. I don't have to waste any time on you, either your time or mine. Instead, I can lavish it on the people who appreciate who I am, what I do, and how I do it. Obviously, I'm a little older than you, I think, Josh. You can see it by the... Not by much. Come on, I got the white. Oh, come on. It's kind of hard to see. The Santa, I could put it this way. I can't wear a red shirt anymore because my kids say I look like Santa (laughs) for crying out loud. And, uh, but... But my point is that when you present your brand and it's based truly on who you actually are, you get to learn exactly what older people know, which is, you know what? There's a whole lot of humanity I just don't have time for anymore. I don't have time for people who question every invoice I send them. I don't have time for someone who wants to second guess every decision that we've agreed upon and then come back and change it again. I don't have time for people who don't respect me. Older people are confident because they've had the fear burnt out of them. It's like, no, I've been through the wars, man. I know how this rolls. You're a waste of time. You're a drama queen. You're a a toxic boss. They're the people who walk in, spend a week at a job and go, you know, not for me. And the funny thing is the young generation that's coming up now, I think they have a level of wisdom that far exceeds the generations that precede them. Yeah, and, and that's, I think they have to. Yeah, well, they have to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what pisses off the boomer generations and the Gen Xers and stuff like that. It's like, wait a minute. I spent decades taking crap from everybody, and these people think you don't take crap, and you, you go do van life around the world, and you remote work from Bali? You can't do that. And they go, yeah, I just did. Yeah, I just did it. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's what amazing. you're talking about is you're talking about valuing yourself. And the cool thing is no one is going to place value on you until you value yourself. And that's actually part of what a brand is as well. It's really our self-worth expressed. It's how we see ourselves. Do we feel worthy? And if we don't, it's not going to, it's going to come out poorly in our brand. If we feel worthy, that's truly our, our brand is a reflection of our self-worth. Simplest way to put it. Josh, I got to tell you, what a treat to meet you. Thanks for being on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. Once again, for the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, I am your host, D.P. Knuton, and he is... Josh Zeppis, the Identity Archaeologist. And I'll be talking at you again next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>